Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of all ages and genders, religions, creeds, nationalities, it is my esteemed pleasure to announce to you that on Wednesday, November 29th, a great evil departed this world. At his home in Connecticut, at the far too old age of 100, Henry Kissinger is dead. Henry Kissinger was a scourge upon this planet. He was an architect of the Grand Imperial Strategy of the United States. He leaves behind bodies, millions of them across the globe. He was a terrible, terrible person, and I am glad he's dead. Kissinger was Secretary of State and National Security Advisor under Nixon and Ford. Kissinger was a driving force behind U.S. imperialism, and he leaves behind a blood-soaked legacy of atrocities and violence inflicted upon the global south. You know, some of his greatest hits uh, include orchestrating a military coup in Chile. He installed the dictator Pinochet, who would go on to execute and disappear tens of thousands of people. Kissinger would would give the green light to Argentinian dictator Videla, whose armed forces toppled the election the elected government and killed thousands of dissidents in 400 concentration camps. Kissinger and the U.S. supported this. Before the Indonesian army murdered a quarter of a million Timorese people, Kissinger told the general of the army, and I quote him here, it is important that whatever you do succeeds quickly. He is responsible for expanding the Vietnam War into Laos and Cambodia, and he advocated for bombing civilians And I quote him again, he said, bomb anything that moves. And that came to fruition. Cambodian civilians were carpet bombed. Hundreds of thousands died. And most recently of Israel-Palestine, he said, and I quote, it was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different culture and religion and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. America's most beloved war criminal is dead. He was a racist, xenophobic, imperialist asshole right up until the very end. Rest in piss, loser. You won't be missed. You died 70 years too late. I hope Mitch McConnell follows close by. And you know, as much as I would like to spend this episode covering Henry Kissinger, because what I just said doesn't even scratch the surface of the depravity that this man inflicted upon the earth, we got to talk about Israel-Palestine. And the topic of this episode, what if there is a permanent ceasefire? So a permanent ceasefire is the most pressing thing that is needed right now. And it's essential to stop the massive, massive uh, death toll that we're seeing with regard to the Palestinian people in Gaza. But it is in essence a band-aid solution. Because when U.S. politicians and Israelis, they, when they talk about peace, they really mean uh, a return to the status quo. It's a return to pre-October 7th Israel-Palestine, where Israelis enjoy peace and safety and supremacy, uh, while Palestinians are subjected to slow violence, marginalization, and ethnic cleansing. This occupation is unsustainable, and the systems of domination that Israel imposes on the Palestinians ultimately lead to violence and are ultimately what led uh, to the October 7th attacks. 
And I'm on the side of peace. I never want to see another October 7th, uh, which is precisely why I know that the situation in Palestine needs to change for good. Uh, The systems of oppression, they need to be dismantled uh, for good because no people anywhere on this planet at any point in history, uh, they have ever accepted their subjugation. That is a constant and that is an indisputable fact of human existence. So why does the world expect Palestinians to be the exception here? So long as there is oppression, there will be resistance, always. Israel can wipe out Hamas. They can kill every last Hamas operative in Gaza and abroad. But the Palestinian people will resist their oppressors again in one way or another. That is an indisputable fact. So I'm going to go over the things that need to happen uh, to both ensure lasting peace and to save our Western uh, imperial souls. Because at the very least, we cannot be complicit and we cannot be silent about what Israel is doing to the Palestinians any longer. And I've divided this into two parts. Uh, What needs to be undertaken outside of Israel on a global level and also what needs to happen inside Israel-Palestine. Now, outside of Israel, uh, the South African apartheid regime was not toppled from the inside. And that's not to dilute the importance or the impact of Nelson Mandela and his ANC. Uh, That was very effective, and at times they employed uh, what was thought of as violent terrorism. But South African apartheid ultimately fell following international pressure and campaigns from outside South Africa. Anti-apartheid activists recognize that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And figures who are so crucial in bringing down uh, apartheid South Africa, like Nelson Mandela and like Desmond Tutu, have recognized that the fight against apartheid didn't end with the freeing of South African blacks. But apartheid is alive and well in Israel. And unfortunately, neither of them lived to see apartheid eradicated from the world. So our, uh, our first stop here is targeted sanctions. Shan- sanctions are measures that are taken against a country that has broken the law. And that word sanctions has a couple different connotations. And first, we're going to talk briefly about economic sanctions. Uh, they can be used for very noble purposes, uh, like the sanctions imposed on Russia, but they can also be used for very sinister purposes like the U.S. sanctions on Cuba. But their effectiveness is usually determined by how economically tied the country is to the economies of those imposing the sanctions. For example, uh, sanctions were extremely effective against Cuba uh, because the Cuban economy prior to uh, Fidel Castro under uh, the U.S.-backed Batista dictator, the Cuban economy was extremely reliant on the U.S. under Batista. Uh, But they weren't so effective at mitigating the Russian invasion of Ukraine Uh, Because Russia's economy prior to uh, the invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions was already constructed not to be reliant on uh, Western trade. So that is why targeted sanctions against Israel will be extremely effective. Uh, Trade between the U.S., Israel, and Canada, well, from the U.S. to Canada between Israel, uh, is at about $552.6 billion dollars. And measures can be taken by you yourself, the consumer, uh, like refusal to buy Israeli products or products whose manufacturers are complicit in Israel's apartheid and ethnic cleansing, like not buying Puma clothes, for example. 
but we need a structured, encompassing ban on Israeli products so long as Israel remains an apartheid state. And that means our government uh, banning products like SodaStream or products from the Strauss Group, which makes Sabra Hummus, another Israeli company. But we need a paradigm wherein the onus is no longer on you, the consumer, uh, to constantly check labels when you're grocery shopping so that you can spend your money with confidence and that it won't be used in part or in full toward the genocide of the Palestinians. Oh, and also another side note here. Um, don't go and buy your books from Chapters or Kohl's, uh, any bookstore owned by Indigo. We already talked about CEO uh, Heather Reisman's recruitment for the IDF. But ending that economic link uh, will be extremely crucial in forcing Israel to comply with international humanitarian law. Furthermore, sanctions will look like embargoes, uh, specifically targeted at weapons sales to Israel from, from Western governments and corporations, and the cutting of diplomatic ties. So, arms embargoes. No more weapons for apartheid. Arms embargoes, they're a specific type of sanction uh, that directly apply to weapons. The idea is that the global community would come together, or at least a few significant powers, uh, would commit to stopping the sale of weapons to Israel. And this would mean guns, uh, missiles, tanks, warplanes. But Israel does present uh, what I think is a very unique situation, wherein we would also have to commit to stopping the transfer and sale of dual-use items. Uh, Israel's particular methods of ethnic cleansing and apartheid have made many of these dual-use items just as destructive as weapons of war. Uh, for example, the Caterpillar bulldozer that the IDF uses to demolish Palestinian homes, or Hewlett-Packard's hardware and data centers uh, that, enable that enable Israel to biometrically track Palestinians. Think about that. Hewlett-Packard, those, those electronics in the store that are labeled HP, that company maintains a system of apartheid for Israel. It's called the Aviv system, and it's a very, it's a very crucial apparatus of maintaining Israel's regime of racial segregation and Jewish supremacy. It's digitized apartheid. And because of the multifaceted ways in which Israel dominates the Palestinians, we need to examine how the export of seemingly benign things like computer hardware uh, is enabling atrocities and crimes against humanity. One could even make an argument that things like, like asphalt and road construction materials uh, should be withheld from Israel due to the way that Israel constructs roads in the West Bank to purposefully segregate Palestinians and fragment their communities. And if you think that including dual-use items is harsh, well, there's a precedent for that. As part of Israel's blockade on Gaza, they obviously stopped the import of weapons, uh, but they also stopped the import of metals like aluminum and tin. These metals were considered dual use by Israel. You know what the Palestinians were using these metals for? To can their fucking food. As a result, Palestinian farmers, they couldn't preserve their crop, and there was a famine in Gaza. But this idea... Uh, of an arms embargo against Israel. It's not unheard of. Uh, the U.S. has done this before. The U.S. policy of unequivocal support for Israel is a relatively new thing. Uh, in 1983, Ronald Reagan threatened to block the sales 
of 75 F-16 fighter jets to Israel until Israel withdrew from Lebanon. And for all of you who aren't like historically oriented to Israel, uh, in its short 75-year history, at some point or another, Israel has invaded and occupied all of its neighbors. And at the same time, uh, Israel was occupying southern Lebanon. And Reagan said, and I quote, we are forbidden by law to release those planes. In 2002, Israel carried out an airstrike that killed one Hamas member, but 15 civilians. Countries around the world condemned it. The EU, the United Nations, including, including the Bush administration. As recently as 2008, uh, Bush called for Israel to end its occupation of Palestinian land. So how the fuck did we get here where the racist Ronald Reagan, who spent so much of his, of his time trying to convince the American people that black women were welfare queens who were leeching off of the public dime, and the war criminal George W. Bush, they have more of a spine and more morality than present-day Joe Biden, who is not only who's giving Israel billions in military aid. Think about that. In 2002, 15 Palestinian civilians were killed and the U.S. rightfully condemned it. The U.S. said that is unacceptable. Now in 2023, Joe Biden is not only offering more support to Israel following the slaughter of over 10,000 civilians, we need to say enough is enough. Bernie Sanders introduced a bill to put conditions on U.S. military aid to Israel, essentially advocating for a gentler genocide. And Congress couldn't even agree that that was reasonable. Canadian arms exports to Israel amounted to over $26 million in 2021, and trends indicate that that number will only go up from here. We need to say enough is enough. We need to cut ties with Israel. We need to be able to say that our weapons and our technology will not be used to commit a genocide. And furthermore, in 1977, the UN passed a resolution to prohibit petroleum sales to South Africa. The U.S. needs to stop vetoing these U.N. votes to sanction Israel. It worked against South Africa, and we need to do it again. And secondly, we need to culturally boycott Israel. That means we denormalize Israel. It's not behaving like a normal state. So the time for treating Israel like a normal state is over. I remember at the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Bars in Halifax, they renamed their Moscow mule to the Kiev mule in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Sorry, with the Ukrainian people. And we need to detach ourselves from Israeli culture and from the normalized Zionist narratives that have made their way into our culture. It's a huge propaganda tool for Israel. One of the main narratives of Israel is that they are a, a bastion of Western civility in the Middle East. And those of you who are older uh, will remember that anti-apartheid activists called on musicians, uh, writers, institutions to boycott South Africa. Sun City, that song was huge. Well, we need, we need a Sun City like Israel's version. I ain't gonna play Tel Aviv, if you will. And the BDS movement has said, when international artists perform at Israeli cultural venues and institutions... They help to create the false impression that Israel is a normal country, like any other. 
Some big artists have already began to cancel shows in Israel. Most notably, Roger Waters of Pink Floyd has committed to boycotting Israel. And with every day, more and more musicians commit to boycotting Israel. Those like, like Kid Cudi, Red Veil, Macklemore, Kalani, Big Thief, Sam Smith, Will I Am, James Blunt. And this is important. Israel needs to see that they are alone. The people of Israel need to become so fed up with the backlash and pullouts that they change their government and hopefully their ideology from within. Our society has given celebrities an unreasonable amount of influence. However you feel about that, it's undeniable that they represent a very effective method of influencing public opinion. It's funny because analyzing celebrity endorsements and their impact is not, it's not an exact science. It's been found that the likability of a celebrity directly influences if their endorsement is effective. And we've seen this recently with, uh, with Amy Schumer's endorsement of Israel's ethnic cleansing. We all know that before her incredibly Islamophobic and uh, apartheid apologetic uh, social media tirade, Amy Schumer was an extremely disliked person by most. And because of that, her propaganda kind of had like a negative effect uh, on those who were prior uneducated on the issue. And on the other side, celebrities who are well-liked, or at least not disliked, uh, were very effective at advocating for Palestine. Uh, here, Macklemore is you speaking know, in D.C. in support of Palestinian human rights. First of all, this is absolutely beautiful to observe today. I didn't expect to be on a microphone, but there are thousands of people here that are more qualified to speak on the issue of a free Palestine than myself. But I will say this. They told me to be quiet. They told me to do my research, to go back, that it's too complex to say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. And we are scared, we are watching it unfold. We have been taught to just be complicit, to protect our careers, to protect our interests, and I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. You know, my daughter, my daughter said to me this morning, she said, she's eight years old, she said, Dad, when we protest today, when we march today, how are the people in Palestine gonna know that we're showing up? Look at this. Look at this. The world is watching what we do right now in this moment of injustice. There is no side in humanity we lead with our hearts, we speak the truth, we shut down the propaganda, and we march forward. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Thank you. Yeah, and he does make a really good point there, that you don't need 
uh, to be a, a PhD in Middle East studies, uh, to recognize that what Israel is doing to the Palestinians is wrong, and it's genocide. And I appreciate that so much, because he's just a guy who didn't think about Israel-Palestine every day. Yet he saw injustice, and he called it out. He recognized uh, that he had this platform and this reach, and that responsibility came with it. But we've also seen uh, the Schumer effect work against Palestine. Here is Andrew Tate talking about Palestine. Uh, trigger warning, everybody. Andrew Tate. What is your view of this war? I think when you call it a war, you're doing a disservice to the people who are having their limbs blown off by some of the most advanced technical weaponry on the planet. It is a genocide and it is disgusting. And it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on. When you observe a genocide in front of your very eyes, you should be disgusting. Which side is waging genocide? The Israelis are genociding the Palestinians and you know it as well as everybody else does. That. Well, then it seems like your bosses are not allowing you to know it. Uh, first of all, uh, fuck Andrew Tate. Uh, he's a misogynist and a human trafficker, a terrible human being. Uh, but he is absolutely right here. He is right, 100%. Uh, but a broken clock is still right twice a day. And he makes a lot of good points about Palestine, but I'm afraid that a figure as demonic as Andrew Tate on our side is damaging. Uh, so my, my advice about this is that the, point he, the points he makes are good, uh, but those points are made by figures who are much better than Andrew Tate, like Noam Chomsky, Norman Finkelstein, or Nora Erekat, who we should take those points from and amplify them. Here's uh, Nora Erekat, a Palestinian human rights attorney, speaking at the same event as Macklemore. We are all here to charge this administration with genocide! Israel and the United States are jointly complicit in the ongoing Nakba in Palestine. Together, they are rending international law worthless and irrelevant. Every single tribunal, from Nuremberg to Rwanda, from Bosnia to Cambodia, every prosecution at the ICC was meant to atone for our moral failures, to protect us from ourselves, and today we fail to stop. Today we fail to stop the skies from crashing down in white phosphorus flames onto Palestinian dreams, memories, potential, onto Palestinian babies, not old enough to beseech you to have mercy upon them. We are here now with them and for them to demand a ceasefire. We are here because Palestine reveals the naked hypocrisy of Western universalism. It reveals our enduring colonial reality, and it offers a glimpse into a future without colonialism. Palestine, Palestine, where a valiant people have always existed, where survivors and fighters continue to affirm that they belong to a land upon which there is a life worth living. We, we are like olive trees, like the ones that our ancestors planted. 
We are unshaken. We are unmoved. We are undeniable. Stand with us in this promise. We promise, Palestine still promises, that we will all be free. Yeah, um, she really says it all there. Go get her book, Justice for Some. That's uh, great. So public figures, uh, the focal point of our culture, have a huge effect on how information is spread and opinions are held. Social media has given celebrities an unprecedented audience. Like, Selena Gomez has 429 million Instagram followers. Taylor Swift has 277 million. Ronaldo has, six mil, has 613 million. That reach is insane. So their silence, it's very hard to see. On Netflix right now, there is a show called Fada. It is so racist, it's about an Israeli policeman or someone who's part of Shin Bet. Either way, it, it portrays Palestinians uh, as terrorists, and it's insane propaganda. And a cultural boycott of Israel will look like Israeli shows like Fada being removed from our media diets. But I'll take this opportunity to shout out a movie on Netflix called Farha. It is about a Palestinian girl who witnesses the horrors of the Nakba, it is an insanely well-done movie. It's a true story, and it's directed by a Jordanian filmmaker named Darren Jessalam. It's emotional. It's emotional. It's harrowing. You won't look at the Palestinian experience the same way after watching it. It's on Netflix right now. Israeli groups have actually tried to get it taken off Netflix, so it would really piss them off if you went and watched it. Farha. F-A-R-H-A. Go watch it. But public opinion is changing, and that change is coming fast. It's been supercharged by Israel's genocidal actions in the digital age of smartphone cameras. And our culture does need to reflect that change. So please, culturally boycott Israel however you can. I, for one, personally, uh, I won't be going to watch the new Captain America movie. You know, they decided to include a, a superhero called Sabra. And Sabra is a Mossad agent... Uh, that's the Israeli version of the CIA. And her comics were extremely racist against Palestinians. BDS is calling for a boycott of the new Captain America film, which we should all do. Academic boycotts. Again, that's another thing uh, that was so instrumental in bringing down apartheid South Africa. Israeli universities contribute an insane amount of research and development to Israel's apartheid, and all of us as scholars should pressure our schools to cut ties with Israel and its institutions. The BDS movement reports the University of Johannesburg in 2011 severed links with Ben-Gurion University over its complicity in Israel's human rights violations, including the theft of Palestinian water. A human rights watch study reveals institutionalized racial discrimination against Palestinians throughout Israel's education system, including universities. And guys, I know, I know I have a lot of listeners in Halifax. Dalhousie and St. Mary's are also complicit in one way or another. Dalhousie has exchange programs to Israel. In August of 2022, a group of Canadian university presidents took a trip to Israel, sponsored by the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, a group that has acted as a, a proxy and a bridge between the Israeli government and international universities. 
Israeli institutions acknowledged trip participants hailed from Concordia University, Dalhousie University, University of Manitoba, McGill University, University of Ottawa, Simon Fraser University, University of Waterloo, Western University, and York University. In that same month, August of 2022, Israeli forces carried out Operation Breaking Dawn, another instance of Israel mowing the grass in Gaza. In that operation, they injured 350 Palestinians and killed 49. That was happening miles away from where Dalhousie representatives were being wooed by the Israeli government. That is unacceptable. These universities champion social justice. They always want to talk about how free and inclusive they are. But when, when they go to an apartheid state and break bread with genocidal monsters, it's hypocrisy of the highest order. And St. Mary's is not innocent either. St. Mary's hosted a class called Zionism, or it was Zionism uh, Israel's narrative, but it was supposed to be a critical analysis of the Zionist ideology. And you'd think that a critical analysis of Zionism would employ someone who could claim victimhood to Zionism, like a Palestinian professor. But no, the class on Zionism at St. Mary's was taught by Daphna Livet, a former IDF soldier. She, she's a Zionist herself. That's insane. We wouldn't teach a class on Nazism and have a member of the Gestapo teach that class or a former member. That's insanity. It's insane. And I don't, I don't care how much of a liberal Zionist, of course, those two words are, that's an oxymoron there, um, but I don't care how much of a liberal Zionist the professor of the class critical on Zionism was. It's completely inappropriate to have a class that is supposed to be critical of an ideology taught by somebody who at one point in their lives peddled that ideology and in many ways continues to perpetuate that ideology. So that's going to do it uh, for part one of this episode, guys. It's so important that we keep the momentum up. We keep showing up. We pressure companies. We go to protests. We pressure the celebrities and the institutions to back out of Israel, to not be complicit in apartheid, genocide, ethnic cleansing. Thank you for listening. Drink water. Uh, check your piercings. Make sure they're tight if they're loose. Free Palestine. Have a good day.